again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter as well at Horizon Matt. You can follow us on Twitter as well at Horizon RT, as well as Facebook at Horizon Roundtable. And you can find us on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com. And you can be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. And Matt, uh, before we get started, um, we're getting very close to an annual tradition, a tradition like no other, not the Masters. <laughs> not quite. Not quite. Um, that's right. The twenty. We, we are coming close to the – very close, very soon, to the 2020 Jimmy Lemke Fan Battle Royale. Where we change the rules a little bit, obviously, you know, if you've been following us at any, for for any stretch of time, you know, you know, we change the rules mostly because of the fact that we're offering, we're we're offering a fifty dollar Amazon gift card this time. There's going to be an actual prize at the end of this. It makes me want to just do it. Like, I want a fifty dollar card. Yeah, you don't qualify. So sorry. Yeah, <laughs> As the co-host, you're instantly disqualified. I apologize in advance. So. One of the things that obviously we're talking, you know, so yeah, so this week is kind of the deadline and we are officially, you know, we've got two, we've got two schools already represented, Cleveland State and Purdue Fort Wayne, and we need everybody else. So go to horizonroundtable.com, click on Jimmy Lemke Fan Battle Royale. Uh, I think we've, we've outlined the rules enough and yeah. We need you all. Since it's, the Jimmy, did, since it's the Jimmy Lemke one, does that mean during your 10 minutes or however long you record, you need to drop as many references to people that no one else knows as possible? Does that get you bonus points? Do not do that. We actually have a we have a panel of judges, and if they don't know what the hell you're talking about, that's going to be points against you, sir. <laughs> I feel like that should, should have been bonus points. I think we need to rework the system because being the Jimmy Lemke fan battle royale, it almost seems appropriate. Yeah, let's not do that. So... All right, um, opportunity. So, and one other thing, um, and, and before we, obviously this week, we kind of want to switch gears up a little bit, um, just getting that that little housekeeping point away, um, just to switch gears a little bit. While last week we talked about kind of the end of the men's basketball season, turns out the women's basketball season was pretty much in full gear. Um, and this is part and parcel to um, kind of what we had made. A, we kind of made a decision about this uh, um, behind, you know, in, in the background about a month or so ago, but we um, kind of made a, a conscious decision that, you know, starting next year, we're going to be expanding into, um, we're going to be expanding into women's basketball and, and joining us also is is John Parker? At least he was. I saw him. He actually has a new Twitter handle, by the way, at Horizon John. So you absolutely should that you should follow him there. Um, <laughs> but yes, so so we are going to, and and this is probably so we're kind of giving. We've been doing the power rankings the whole season, but you know we we decided that it would be a good idea to kind of expand into that. And actually, later on this uh, in this podcast. Uh, we'll be joined by Cleveland State's head coach uh, Chris Kilsmeyer. We'll talk all about his uh, his appearance in the his team's uh, appearance and uh, victory in the WBI this year. So, um, so um, John, 
I know we. I actually just dropped your uh, new Twitter handle at Horizon John. So everybody on Twitter now follow him at Horizon John. <laughs> All right, awesome. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, John is actually going to be yeah. Um, John, we already talked. We kind of talked about our expansion next season into women's basketball, um, and. You know, obviously, since you've been, you know, running the power, you've been running the power rankings and you, you uh, I don't want to minimize your vast editorial role within HorizonRoundTable.com, but, um, you know, basically you're running point on this. I know that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, we all so yeah, if, if you are, and by the way, if you are interested, um, hit us up at the, hit us up at HorizonRoundTable.com, uh, go to, click on the help wanted uh, link or DM us. Uh, at Horizon RT, um, I don't, John. I don't know if your your new D, your DMs and uh, at Horizon John are open, but I mean, I'm assuming uh, they are not. <laughs> if, they're, if they're not, I can do that. Yeah, that's fine. Are you sure you want to do that? I don't know. Um, yeah, you could you could talk to you interested in, if you're interested in covering any one of the teams the same way the same way we do on the men's side. Um, he. Well, he and like so. you said, Bob, like just to kind of bring it around, we, we, we kind of talked about this about a month ago that we wanted yes. to bring this to Horizon Roundtable. And it makes sense because on the women's side of the Horizon League, yes. they're they are absolutely having tremendous success, which we're going to talk about here. And to not cover that side of things would just be foolish because they are having just, I mean, strong team after strong team. The the Horizon women's side is pretty, pretty loaded. So What's it'd in- be, be foolish to not discuss it. And what's interesting is this is not a new phenomenon. We, it, had COVID not wiped everything out, we probably would have been talking about this last year too. Um, you know, starting with uh, most importantly, um, Wright State. Uh, Wright State got the got the first round upset in the NCAA tournament against uh, against <laughs> Arkansas, and it's funny because you know, and that and kind of to put it into perspective. Um, on that side of the ball to upset because they were a 13 seed. The, the, the probability of upsets in that tournament are very, very rare. Just put it to you this way. And I remember this during the broadcast, they mentioned that no 15 seed has ever upset a two seed ever in that tournament ever. And kind of the lower seeds, and even, you know, there's always a dynamic where, you know, even in the top 25, you could eat, it's not uncommon to see, you know, a 25th ranked team just get, you know, blown, uh, get blown away by like 30 points by one of the top seeds, uh, top seeds, um, not top seeds, one of the top ranked teams. So for this to happen this year for Wright State um, is huge. It's a huge deal. It really is. Yeah, and it wound up being actually the uh, biggest upset of the tournament. Um, exactly. So yeah, being having our league be a part of that was pretty awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. And by the way, not the only, obviously not the only win for the Horizon League. Um, the, you know, Milwaukee also won. Um, I really just destroyed Drake in the uh, first round of the WNIT. That was, I mean. They just blew the doors off them. Unfortunately, most of us didn't get to see it because the entire WNIT was on Flow Sports. Come on, guys. Yeah, that. <laughs> I, I think I think college I think college basketball fans in general, uh, call, actually college sports fans in general, have, feel some type of way about Flow Sports. 
um, mostly because if you only want to watch one game, it's like how much? It's like super expensive. Thirty just bucks. To watch one, thirty bucks to watch one game. Yeah, like, thirty dollars a month or one hundred fifty for a year. Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> and here we are trying to you know grow sports you know at the college level, not just women's hoops, but you know they cover a lot of kind of the random stuff like. How can you how can you justify that kind of payment? Like, I mean, I want to watch some of these sports, and it's, I, you know, personally, I'm an ESPN Plus guy, and I appreciate it because yeah. I can check in on some Horizon League soccer or baseball, or whatever. But like, I don't know, to put a to put a women's hoops tournament on Flow Sports is just not cool. Like, we we wanted to watch this stuff, and we didn't get a chance to, and that that sucks. Exactly. So that's yeah. I mean, how are we supposed to have a point of pride about the Horizon League if we can't freaking see it? <laughs> um. But yeah, that, so so yeah, so Milwaukee themselves, you know, won very convincingly their their opening round game in, in that tournament. Um, so, uh, John, as as your alma mater, you know, could you care to elaborate on that particular uh, that particular tournament for your team? Um, yeah. So obviously, first round game, they were up. Gosh. I want to say they were up by as much as like 35. Yeah, they eventually won 84-46 is what they won by. (laughs) Yeah, so that was just an absolute bloodbath. Um, Yeah, unfortunately, then they kind of used up all their good shooting that night. Didn't have quite the same results in the second round. bowed out of the tournament but i mean yeah that was just that happened the night of the the cleveland state game so that was kind of a nice little bounce back for me at least there you go there you go and then you know follow, night yeah, really, it, good night for john well not well not well kind of well it was actually so so night for the league because while milwaukee lost cleveland state won so there you go that's probably what I missed. Why I missed that because because um, Cleveland State was playing that night. So, um, but yeah, and then follow that up the next day with with Wright State, you know, pulling the upset and you know, yeah, they got you know obviously they it, again it's a really good look for the league, um, and I don't I don't know how much we've discussed this and this has been. It, this isn't something that has happened overnight. Um, this has kind of been kind of an ongoing kind of progression within the within the Horizon League. Um, you know, even back in the day when it was like Green Bay and everybody else, you still had teams that were you know making that were able to kind of overcome that you know dynastic Kevin Borseth led Green Bay squad. And make it to the tournament. Cleveland State did it a couple years. Wright State's done it a, co- a, a couple of times. So there has been kind of a concerted effort for a lot of the conference to, you know, improve themselves, to improve their standing. And it's funny because we have talked about for, I mean, we, we, we've talked ourselves blue in the face about how on the men's side, you know, we, we're we're just not there yet. But you look on flip on the other side of the court, and it's like, yeah, I mean, you see that you see it's it's a it is a concerted effort to get better. Um, by and large, obviously, we have a couple of of exceptions to get better within the league. 
And they were able to accomplish that with, and we'll talk about this with Chris Kilsmeyer a little bit, where some of the teams didn't even get a chance to, you know, play non-conference games. So that's a huge deal too. And then turn around and, you know, get a pretty good, pretty good postseason showing for the conference is a huge deal. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's definitely a situation like, from my port point of view, a big part of it is when the Horizon League has been losing schools, they've been schools focused on men's basketball. Yeah. Obviously, no one's, you know, prioritizing women's basketball at, you know, the number one reason to poach a school at the mid-major level. Um, and as a result, you know, we've kept Green Bay. We've kept you know, Wright State, Cleveland State, some of the teams that have been pretty competitive over the years. Um, and then we added IUPUI, who is just right up there with Green Bay from the jump, basically. Exactly. And that's, I think that's, again, that's part and parcel to an IUPUI. And I feel bad for him because last year they would have made their first NCAA tournament ever. Yeah. And then COVID hit. And, you know, then this year, obviously, they, you know, they missed an opportunity as well. So, and I, you know, I hate to belabor the whole formula thing, but I think that might have bit them in the ass a little bit. That's what I was going to say is it, it almost seems unfair because they, they ended up as this five seed, which we all know if you've watched anything with the Horizon League women's hoops this year, like that was not a five five seed team. So oh. I think it might have hurt them and kept them out of maybe something like the WBI or whatever, you know, and I'm glad that uh, Cleveland State got that opportunity. Don't get me wrong, but. It's it almost seems unjust that you know IUPUI and Macy Williams and, and Destiny Perkins that that whole team didn't get a chance to to go out and play play anymore or maybe they did get an opportunity and they turned it down you know we don't know yeah that's what true. that might have looked like but well I mean, the good news so, for, I should point out the good news for IUPUI is that their that Williams their three three uh, three time player of the year is coming back next year so um, run it back yeah. Yeah, that's going to be exciting to see. They're going to be super scary next year. By the <laughs> I think we might end up seeing a lot of schools wind up. Like, we might just get a replay of this year. We might just get to see, like, okay, what would have happened if there wasn't COVID? Because yeah. the, the one situation where I don't think players are going to get the chance to come back is just the school doesn't want to spend on the freebie scholarships. Um I mean, I, I think. I mean, frankly, without you committing to it, I think a lot of schools probably will. Yeah. I think you know you're going to see a lot of starters in in women's basketball in you know some of the non new sports coming back. Oh, absolutely. We've already seen a lot more men's basketball players than we thought are at least going to be playing college basketball next year. Uh, rather than going overseas. Yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I I don't think we should underestimate that as well. Um, I, I think that's, you know, the situation with IUPUI. It's funny because where you see, again, a, a intra, another dynamic where, you know, a, you know, a situation like IUPUI is not happening. You know, you, know, you already saw, uh, like, you know, Jalen Minnette's in the – Jalen Minnette's in the – transfer portal. Marcus Burke declared he's going to be going pro. Elijah Goss did the same thing. I mean, 
Yeah, and then you know, then you turn around, and you have you know Macy Williams saying she's staying. So that is, yeah, it's again, it's probably more of a dynamic from a. I don't know. I, I can't really explain it, but you know, but it, but it, in all honesty, it is to the Horizon League's benefit that it's actually happening in this way. It truly is. Yeah, we, nice. we might we might see a two bid Horizon League next year, and that's pretty awesome. And that's another thing too, because another lamenting, and I, you're probably not far off. I mean, as far as this this you know, as far as this conference is concerned, as far as the league is concerned, you're probably right. We are probably in the situation where, at some point in time, we are going to get to you know this. They're closer to being a two bid league than you know the men are, truthfully. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're honestly. They are closer to being a two-bid league than the men were back when Butler was around. And the – because they have two teams that would, you know, actually warrant – or they have two teams that could potentially get to the point of warranting um, at-large consideration versus just – Absolutely. Okay, Butler's obviously in. Let's see if anyone else can be a bid stealer. There's there's really four or five teams, I think, on the women's side. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Based on this season, yeah, that is my one thing with, you know, IUPUI getting a five seed. Based on the fact that they didn't have a chance to play all their games, I think a four would have been fair, which would have been the same opponent. They blew away Oakland. It didn't matter where it was. So I don't think that actually ended up changing all that much for them. No, I don't think it did Win percentage-wise... The top two teams, Green Bay and IUPUI, were all about the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't forget Wright State, too. <laughs> right, right. No, the top two teams, Wright State yeah. and Milwaukee. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, Milwaukee. And, but, and uh, again, you know, to, to your point, again, you look at the dynamic, you look at that, you know, the dynamic, even, you know, the top four. And remember, Cleveland State is, you know, Cleveland State's only losing one player, although it is Mariah White, who's, you know, defensive player of the year. So, but still, you know, you look at the dynamic, you look at Green Bay, you look at Wright State, you look at IUPUI, you look at, um, mm-hmm. even a Cleveland State, even a Northern Kentucky, you could throw in there. And you see kind of from a foundational standpoint, a, a lot, a lot more solid foundation than say, you know, on the other side where you had Cleveland state, right. State, and then a jumbled mess between, you know, Oakland and Northern Kentucky. And you, you see a lot more in the way of, it, it seems like it, there's a little bit, it's more of a, comp- I don't want to say it's more of a competitive foundation, but it seems like there's a little bit, it just seems like there's a little bit more there where there the potential for, you know, getting more than one bid in this conference is a lot more plausible and a lot more plausible in the future, in the immediate future, even. Yeah. And I mean, when it, so Marquette wound up making the NCAA tournament, Milwaukee yeah. beat them this year. When's the last time a power conference at large team lost to a horizon league school? Yeah, don't worry, I'll wait. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but yeah, exactly. So so when you look at it, so bottom line when you look at it, I think, you know, there there's you know, I guess we're coming in at a good time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a there's a lot more upside. I think there's a lot more upside at this point in time. I really do. 
That's good to say that too, by the way, because you know how many, how many, how many, po- how many podcast episodes have we come, you know, been belly aching about, you know, when are we getting better? When are we getting better? Well, you know, there's one, there's you know, one group of programs that is. Well, that's just me. So, um, so at this point in time, um, without any further ado, uh, I wanted to go ahead and segue into our conversation with Cleveland State's women's head coach, Chris Kilsmeyers. Coach Kilsmeyers, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Happy to be here. I'm always excited to talk about Cleveland State University. Great. Um, first, first and foremost, obviously, congratulations on the uh, WBI championship. Um, my first question is, um, how did the how did the invitation to the WBI come kind of come about? Well, you know, we got hot, kind of starting late January, early February, and started winning a bunch of basketball games. And the WBI had reached out to us that to communicate to us that we were on their radar. We just needed to continue to win games to be able to actually get the invite. And, you know, we did just that. We, we continued to win games, and, and and the invite came. And that's kind of how it worked. Okay. And the the structure of the WBBI was uh, three games in three days, correct? Yeah, normally in the past it's a 16-team tournament. And, mm-hmm. you know, teams get to host, and it's – spread out all across the United States and stuff. But, you know, they knew this year with the with the pandemic and everything that teams were dealing with that most likely was was not going to be a very good format. And you know, they wanted to bring it to one site to uh you know provide teams more games and to do it in a really safe format. And and they did just that. Okay. Um so how did obviously the the Horizon League, the way they scheduled uh, they scheduled uh, the games this year is uh, kind of it was a back to back format, uh, one game on two, you know two games two days in a row. How do you feel that that particular format helped you in this particular tournament format, the way they had it structured this year? Well, there's no question it helped a lot because you know when March comes around and teams have to play back to back days because of tournament play. You know, teams aren't used to do it, doing that, but everybody has probably seen the same schedule all year. You know, for us, being able to play back-to-back all year really put us in a position to, uh, you know, really just know how to handle not only uh, being ready to play physically, but, you know, mentally getting yourself ready to play, you know, being able to turn scouts around, you know, talking about some X's and O's and different things on, on, on the night before the game and, and whatnot, but you know, it's to be able to win three games in three days, you have got to be really tough physically and, and most importantly, mentally. You just got to be able to be at your fresh and be fresh mentally. And you know, our kids played some of them played heavy minutes, and uh, you know, I know they were really, really tired on Sunday night, but they just sure. wanted to win and, and they just found a way to be at their best when they needed to and they went out and won the game. So one one constant, um, not just this year, but obviously since you've been um, at Cleveland State, is is Mariah White, who has been kind of really the kind of a, the leader, 
near as I could tell, uh, of this team, uh, especially in terms of her defense. She was the defensive player of the year this year. And then also her, her appearance in on the first team and obviously being the leading scorer. How important was it to have, especially as the lone senior this year, how important was it to have somebody like Mariah White um, being able to, you know, do what she does on the court and in really kind of help out the rest of the team? Well, you know, Mariah starts with what she gives to our program off the court. I mean, you can talk about all her stats and everything yeah. that she does in between lines, which is pretty phenomenal. Sure. But, you know, there, there's not there's not too many leaders that I've coached that are, that are as good as her and, and just as well-rounded as an individual at a young age. Mm-hmm. You know, she's up for – I think she's up for every single award she's been nominated for, and a lot of these sure. awards are, are really high-level, prestigious awards. And so, you know, she's, she's a great person. She's a great leader, and she's done so much to help Cleveland State women's basketball become a better program, become a, a more respected program. And, you know, she's taken a lot of pride in that. Sure. Um, one of those awards, if I understand it correctly, is uh, something called the Class Award, I think it is called. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what that award is is a, is kind of about and, you know, how how that kind of fits in with, you know, the, the way that Mariah operates? Well, it's kind of just how I just answered that last question. You know, it's it's being great in the classroom. It's being great in the community. It's being involved in the community. It's Mm -hmm. wanting to be a leader. It's wanting to help others. And and she personifies all those things long before she gets to court. And then when she gets to the court, she continues to do the same things there. So, you know, it's as coaches, we all want to coach really well-rounded individuals that are highly motivated to be successful in all areas of their life. And, and she really epitomizes that. Sure. Um, as far as the team dynamic dynamic is concerned, it's, it's obviously been a balanced attack for your, for your team this year. And obviously one of the other, um, other players who was recognized by the conference was uh, Destiny Leo, who was named the uh, sixth player of the year, as well as um, she was also the person who you know got those uh, got the final shots in, the, in that championship game to put you guys over the top. Um, how was there as a freshman, especially given the off season you had? Um, how what was the you know? How was it the adjustment for her to the college game um, in terms of, especially, again, given kind of the unique situation of the offseason, how was how, how she able to adjust to be able to excel into, you know, the role she has had this year? Yeah, you know, I think that's a great question because it's kind of twofold. Mm-hmm. Destiny Leo can score, and yes. she wants the ball and wants the big moment. She's not afraid of any situation she wants to be in those situations and wants to succeed in those situations and you know a lot of kids need some experience with that not destiny she don't need no experience she she needs that ball and she wants to go out and make plays and she wants to help her team win destiny leo is all about winning and uh, she's not afraid of any moment defensively the transition to this level was a challenge for her and that's where she really lack the summer and the fall you know she would have had a lot more of an opportunity to uh, 
you know, learn what we were doing. She would have been a lot better defender early. But I'll tell you this, in that championship game, you know, she had a lot of big shots and she scored, which we needed every one of them. But she was every bit as good on the defensive end as what she was on the offensive end that night. And that hadn't been the case, not because she wasn't trying. It's just because she didn't really quite understand exactly what she was supposed to be doing. But she worked hard on it, wanted to get better with it. And like I said, again, that, that last game, she was every bit as good a defender as what she was an offensive player. And that, that's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. You guys have both kind of uh, referenced uh, last year. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Um, last year, you guys were kind of one of the first teams in all of NCAA to go down with COVID. Um, and you kind of became almost a poster child for like what was to come. Can you just talk a little bit about that offseason experience and like, you know, what you guys kind of went through, what you learned from that and how you, you know, like you kind of talked about a little bit what you lost as far as, you know, adjusting players like Destiny, but still obviously being able to turn it into a team that, that really came together. Well, you know, I, that's another pretty important question because it's the last 12 months has been the most turbulent roller coaster ride of, mm-hmm. of, of my career. And I think a lot of coaches, but you know, every person in the world has been affected by this, but you know, our program did live, live it firsthand. You know, I was thinking earlier today that one year ago today, I got out of the hospital. And, you know, when I, and those previous few days leading up to that, I, I was really hopeful that I would get out. There wasn't any guarantee that I was going to get out. So, you know, the, the emotions with it and, you know, what, what, what it's done to you know, cause staff to really have to pick me up and carry a lot more of the load has, you know, put a lot on them, but they've embraced it. They've wanted it. And, you know, everybody just rallied around each other. It's, you know, I, I really didn't do a whole lot last March and April. And, you know, even into May, I, I wasn't working much. So, you know, our, our staff had to work hard to put a roster together with minimal, minimal help from me. And, you know, just heading into the summer then, we were we were living on Zooms. And, you know, by the time I, I got up and running again, I didn't even really know what I was doing with these Zooms and everybody else in the country had been doing them for a couple months. But, you know, we were kind of a little bit behind with stuff early on. But, you know, we just worked hard to catch up. And then once the season got started, you know, we, we, we had a little bit of uh, unluck when, when we had back-to-back positive cases in our program of asymptomatic kids that did not break the protocol or do anything wrong somehow. I'd like to say, you know, the boogeyman just got us, you know, the, the invisible the invisible thing that, that just stung us. And, you know, going into early December, our season was on the brink, whether, whether we were even going to be able to make it in, into January and February just because nothing had fallen our way even though everybody was doing everything they possibly could to do things the right way to, to try to figure out the best possible way for us to, to be able to play. We just, it just wasn't falling our way, but our staff, our players, everybody just hung in there and continued to do what was right, continue to believe in themselves, continue to believe in each, each other. And, you know, I, I think how this all ended really marks one of the most improbable years of my career in in the 21 years of of being a head coach, just because so many factors that we had no control over just weren't falling our way. We continued to take care of everything that we could control and hope for the best. And and, and it ended with, with a championship and, you know, three wins in WBI, which before in the postseason 
the history of our program, we'd only had one postseason win. So we went and tripled that in one weekend, won our first postseason championship in program history, and really solidified this team as one of the greatest women's basketball teams to, to ever play at Cleveland State. Well, you know, it's interesting. You, you talked about all this, and I'm going to hit on a couple other things, but you guys are one of the only teams in the country now that gets to finish your, your season without a loss. Like, I, I always think about that in either, any of these tournaments, whether it's the NCAA and NIT, you know, WBI. Almost every team in the country finishes with a loss, and here's you guys. You're going out with a win, and that's a pretty. That's got to be a great feeling. You don't get to experience that very often. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure that it's really fully hit anybody in our program yet. You know, we're, we're only a few days back from it, and it, it was a, it was a drain mentally. I mean, it, it you know, it, it, it's tough to play two games in back to back days, but to do it three days, three games in three days, and you know, do it at the end of the season when you're already tired, it, it, it was a lot. But, but yes, it's a phenomenal feeling. It's it's one that you rarely ever get. You know, I was fortunate to get one back in 2008 when we won the national championship at the Division Three level and went 33 and zero that year. So I'd experienced it before, but you know, you, you want to experience that every year. But you realize that there's really pretty much almost a zero percent chance, not a zero percent chance, but close to a zero percent chance that that's going to happen. And when you get those opportunities, boy, you want to try to find a way to make the most of them. And, and that's what the team did because we had to beat Portland. I mean, Portland's a really, really good basketball team. And that game was so back and forth. Either team could have won it. You know, we probably shouldn't have went, won it with a minute and a half left. And Mariah White and Destiny and, and everybody defensively went out and got the stops when they needed to and, and won the game and, and gave us that feeling of winning your last game, which is really, really, truly remarkable and something that they, our kids will remember for the rest of their lives. Do you think that having, you know, you you really didn't have a non-conference schedule and then all the schedule changes, you had teams canceling, you know, even within the league. Do you think that some of that almost kind of bonded your team together to be able to pull through something like, you know, these three games in three days and to win this tournament? I think it did from the belief, from the belief factor. You know, you just got to keep believing. You just got to hold hope and, and just really just keep doing what's right. When you, I just, I'm a firm believer in life that if you do, things the right way and you work really hard and you get the right people around you, committed people around you, you can go out and accomplish almost anything in life. And that's really what this team experienced this year. And I really believe that every member of our program got a lot of life lessons that we can be, that we can remind ourselves and remember those experiences and become just a much stronger, better person than what we were before, whether we're 40 something or, or we're 20. You know, I just look at what I've learned over the last year and it's just, you know, if you can handle all this adversity that has been thrown at you, boy, you can really grow. And, and that's what this program has done. Can you also talk about, um, here at Horizon Roundtable, we are really preparing for next season to dive harder into women Horizon League women's basketball because the league is so good and they don't get the coverage. We we don't think they get the coverage you guys all deserve. I mean, between you guys with the WBI, you had Wright State uh, winning that first round um, against Arkansas, like all this. Can you just talk about the strength of Horizon League women's basketball right now? <laughs> well, first off, that's one of the best things a media member has said to me in a long time because women's basketball does not get the coverage that, that they deserve. But, you know, we can all do something about that. We can change that moving forward. 
And Horizon League women's basketball is as high a level as basketball as there is outside of those Power Five conferences. It's we're hot as heck right now. I mean, Wright State beating Arkansas, SEC Arkansas, and you know making a national name for themselves only amplifies our our, our conference's brand. Uh, Milwaukee making a significant run in the WNIT, beating a good Drake basketball team was, again, another really example of how high level of play there is. And then, you know, for us to win a championship when, you know, we had to deal with everything, that that really solidifies a lot. And, you know, who who knows how many teams in our league that should have been or could have been playing in the postseason if it would have been a, a, a great year so or a, a normal year. You know, I know that there was several teams in our league that were very deserving of postseason play and for whatever factors, whether they didn't take the bid or they, they didn't, didn't get invited, whether they probably deserved to get invited. It's, you know, it, it's a deep league now. And, I can only speak for what I've learned over the last three years, but the difference between four and eight and, you know, however the final seedings are is, is, is such a minuscule percentage of whether you can just get that stop or make that shot. And it's with that kind of level of competition and, you know, ferocious play by players, just incredible coaching we got great great coaching in this league and uh, it just it's a national brand right now and it's hot and i'm so thankful that you brought that up because it's it's something that definitely more people are taking notice of how powerful our league is with women's basketball absolutely um one other question i wanted to ask and and we've obviously talked about this multiple times on our podcast on the men's side and that's regarding that's regarding the transfer portal um and kind of the rash of everybody on that on on that side of the ball um you know heading towards the transfer portal we haven't seen a lot of that on the women's side as much do you feel that that's something that's going to be that's going to start coming up in specifically in the horizon league or is that something that's kind of unique just to you know just to men's basketball at this point no i think you know i i think the transfer portal is is going to be something every program regardless of whether it's men's basketball women's basketball softball volleyball soccer it's it's just a way of life now and and reconstructing some rosters and, and making some changes and maybe some unexpected changes in the spring is just going to be has to be a way of life for for every coach and every program i mean it's it's certainly not what you want you want to you know build around your core kids and and really establish a culture and a, and, and and a belief in players that this is where i want to be long term but you know it's just it's changing it, it's evolving right now and uh you know, you always got to be ahead of things and you always got to want to try to push and get better. And if you're not, you're staying stagnant and, and you're not, you know, improving as a program. And so, you know, we, we I, th- I just think it's something every program is going to have to deal with at some point. They may not have to deal with it at that, that particular year or whatnot, but, you know, there's going to be some, some unexpected things that happen and you're going to have to be really ready to deal with that. But, you know, it's, it's, again, it's everything changes, right? It doesn't matter sure. how long you 
what business you're in, everything in life changes, and that's something that's really changing right now. And uh, you know, we we just got to adjust and adapt to it. And kind of to close everything out, um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about Dennis Gates. Obviously, both program, uh, both basketball programs at Cleveland State have had phenomenal seasons um, this year. Um, what is your what is your relationship been like with Coach Gates, and you know what, what kind of ideas have you been able to bounce off of each other during that time? You know, I've been a head coach for 21 years, so I've, I've worked with a lot of men's coaches, and this is by far the one that I have the best relationship with. I think he has been at more practices of our games, more practices of ours in the two years that he's been here than probably the previous 19 years combined. Mm-hmm. He's he's just invested. He wants to get better as a, as a young coach, and he just wants to be involved with everything on, on Cleveland State's campus, and he, and he backs that up with actions. It's not just his will and his want. He does it by producing and uh, you know he wants a great relationship with everybody on campus and he really works at that and you know I I I I, our programs are really really tight the staff love each other the players really are huge fans of each other and respect each other and want to see each other be successful and it's it's very unique I mean I think you know across the board all men's and women's basketball programs are pretty pretty close normally but but the relationship that both of our programs have, I think, is very uniquely special, and, and that's a, a big part of, of Coach Gates and, and, and how he wants to go about doing things with his program, and we certainly want to reciprocate that back, and that, that's a really good match. But, you know, what he has done has been absolutely in, incredible. You know, again, I, I've I've been in a school prior to where, where we were able to do what he did in year two, and when you're doing it, you kind of just make it look like it's the norm and what should happen, and it's kind of easy. But boy, you know it's not. And yeah. everything that they did this, everything they did this year, what well, was just phenomenal, and probably you know a couple years ahead of what it should have been. But not for him, not for that program, not for those guys. And you know they they were never afraid of a moment. You know they, sure. they had a lot of moments and a lot of games where they could have lost, but they really believed in each other as well as. From, from an outsider looking in, I think is about as much as any team could. And they went out and produced at the highest level. And boy, they're, they're a national brand right now too. You know, there you they're going to be hot as heck. They're hot as heck right now. And they're going to be even, even, even more hot next, next year. Sure. You, sure. you guys have built Cleveland state into it to a thing right now. So congratulations Absolutely. to everybody at Cleveland state. Yes. Well, I appreciate those words, and, you know, it's great for the city of Cleveland. It's great just for basketball in this area, for Northeast Ohio, to see that both programs at Cleveland State can really be producing at this high level. And, you know, we, we haven't mentioned a, a couple other names that probably need to be mentioned. Is, is our athletic director, Scott, Scott Garrett, and our president, Harlan Sands, are just, you know, they're, they're, they're phenomenal leaders that really – uh, lead by action, lead by wanting to produce and get results, and you know that they're they're awesome leaders to work for, and and they certainly deserve a big amount of the credit for what's happening here at Cleveland State. Well, well, Coach, thank you very much for joining us. Um, uh, I understand you just joined Twitter over the past season. Um, let everybody know where they can find you there. <laughs> yeah, that's a quarantine thing. You know, I got out of the hospital and I came home. <laughs> 
I'm in April, I'm sitting on the couch and I can't really do anything. So like, yeah, I guess it's, you know, people have been on me for years to do this. So I guess now I finally got to do it, but it's at coach K W B B. That's my Twitter thing. I, I, I don't know that I'm too successful with it, but I'm on there. Yes, you can it's say Twitter, that. Nobody's successful at it. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> So. I like that comment. That's yeah. how I produce on my social media. I'm on there. That's about it. There you go. There you go. So, so th- again, thank you very much, Coach Kilsmeyer. We we appreciate the time, and um, good luck to you in the off season and next season. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys reaching out and and allowing me the opportunity to talk about Cleveland State and Cleveland State women's basketball. And and it's certainly uh, we're doing great special things here. And the more that we can tell people that, the the happier I am. So, thank you for your time. Sure. And that's going to go ahead and wrap this up again. Thank you very much, Chris Kilsmeyer for, uh, for joining us on the podcast. Um, always great to talk to coaches, no matter who doesn't matter. Everybody's invited. Always. We always want coaches. Absolutely. Absolutely. Assistants, head coaches, any of them. Let's talk. Former head coaches looking at you, Gary Waters. Um, (laughs) like he listens to the podcast. Come on. Oh, all right. Um, so yeah, again, horizonroundtable.com. Uh, you can pull it, pick it, pull us up for um, you know all articles, and there'll be a lot more. You know, like I said, we're going to be expanding next year, so uh, next season. So you know, click on the help wanted help wanted link, and you know, get on it. Um, again, we, want you can pull- to, we want to bring more coverage. We need help. That easy. You want you want it covered. We want it covered. Come help us. We need writers. And- and by the way, we still, yeah, we, yeah, let's see. Uh, who are we missing? Yeah, we're still missing, we're still missing an IUPUI writer, and we're going to need another Fort Wayne writer because Will Baptist has moved over to Wright State. Anyway, um, horizonroundtable.com. Um, and an open writer. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's right. Um, very true indeed. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> I am not offended by that. I would love to not have to write, but I've done that. I, right I in that had process. a feeling. I had a feeling. So, um, yeah, uh, we're available wherever podcasts are found. Again, Google Podcast listeners, I apologize. I don't know what the hell's going on with that platform. So, and but you can still pull us up on your uh, Amazon or Google devices. Um, I don't know what we're doing next week because next week is Easter, so we may or may not have a podcast next week. So, uh, I guess stay tuned. Um, until then, until next time, thank you all for listening.